You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, Episode 5. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapists Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Rambach, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. In this episode, I'm chatting with Meryl Brown. Meryl is a mother of two, a wife, and music therapist living and working in central Illinois. She balances parenthood and music therapy business ownership as she owns and operates Developing Melodies, a private practice in Bloomington, Illinois, nurtures her two littles, and aggressively participates in self-care by way of running, marathon training anyone, and volunteer opportunities, serving as president of her Kiwanis Club, treasurer of the Illinois Association for Music Therapy, and serving on the We Care Twin Cities Half Marathon Planning Committee. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Meryl. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Let's start with a little background about you and your career as a music therapist. Okay. So um, my background starts way back in grad school, actually a little bit before grad school, but after I finished my undergrad, I was working in a uh, public school, an inner city public school, and I found that I was just working a lot more not, I was a music teacher. I was hired as a music teacher, but I just found that I was doing something really, really different. And so I went back to grad school and I went for music therapy because that seemed to just really speak to me at the time and, uh, and still does. Uh, after grad school, I, um, I did my internship. I, my grad school was in Illinois, uh, and I'm originally from New York. Uh, my internship at the time, I chose to move back to New York for my internship because I was homesick And then following that, I realized it wasn't New York I was homesick for, but Illinois, which was kind of strange. And so I moved back here to Illinois, uh, dragged my husband shortly after, and opened a private practice here in central Illinois. Uh, So that's kind of where I am. And I've been a music therapist now. Um, I'm going into my third cycle. So um, over about 10 years. Oh, my. Um, (laughs) and, uh, And my business is about nine years old. So you really took the plunge into private practice immediately after becoming a music therapist. Absolutely. Um, I didn't go full-time. I had a part-time job, um, actually a full-time job that eventually went to part-time. I worked retail uh, at Barnes & Noble. It was great um, and a perfect side job to help build what is now a very fruitful private practice. So yeah, I took that plunge. So how long as a part-time private practice did it take you to build up to that full-time um there was a lot of fluctuation so um and that kind of goes into a couple other things that we'll talk about which is parenthood which is why we're here but um I would say it was about a year of part-time work and then I very quickly I had gotten an additional certification and um uh, as a developmental therapist here in Illinois, and that afforded me the ability, uh, to have clients birth to three. And that once I got a certification, my caseload grew to 25, um, all over central Illinois 
very quickly um, and uh, within weeks, really, of receiving that certification. So it was just the year working up to that certification that I just saw non-early intervention clients part-time. So, Okay. Wow. That is pretty quick. One year. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of um, private practitioners are listening and probably a little jealous to hear that. It, it didn't stay that way, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We, we can touch on that later. So how long after starting the private practice did you decide like you were in a good place to start a family? Um, well, first I built the fire private practice. Uh, then we got my husband finished with his grad school, which was super important. Uh, he's a music educator as well, so you can understand what he was going through um, in grad school. Um so he was done with that. So that was another year. Then we decided, nope, we need a house and we need new cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we just kind of did it all um, one after another. And about, let's see, I want to say it was about three to four years, somewhere in the three to four year range that we decided, you know what, we're at a good place. You've got a good job. We've, you know, he was teaching, he had gotten a job in a district, he had a little bit of a commute, but it was still, it was great. He got his job, I had my private practice, we had our house, we we were in a good place. And usually they say, don't wait till you're in a good place, because then it'll never happen. But at that moment, we were in a good place, and we said, let's do this, and, and we did. <laughs> yeah, so... So what was it like um, continuing to build your private practice and continuing to work while you were pregnant? Uh, In the beginning, it was okay. Um, I did continue throughout my pregnancy to work, um, and I maintained almost a full caseload uh, while I was doing that. A couple of my kids um, do what they call aged out. Um, When they turn three, they lose their services here in Illinois. Um as far as developmental therapy is concerned. And so I didn't replace those kids. So I just kind of very slowly dwindled down my caseload. At the time, I was not thinking as a business owner. So I didn't really see anything after pregnancy and birth, like business-wise. I just didn't look. Um, There was like a piece of paper in front blocking my view. So I didn't didn't think that way, uh, the way that I do now with my Mm -hmm. having had my second child most recently. But but anywho, so with my first child, um, I I didn't plan for longevity in the practice. I I didn't really do any of that. So when the kids were gone, the kids were gone. And when I had my baby, I was on maternity leave. And I didn't really make any decisions about that. Um, working through pregnancy was difficult because I had hour drives. And for those of us that uh, have been pregnant or are planning to do so, or probably know a little bit about uh, how often you really need to go potty Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and how much water you have to drink to stay hydrated. So you're just, you're at a lose, lose, no matter what, when you're a traveling therapist. Um, And so that, you know, that was that. And I, I'm not going to lie. Mommy brain has just kicked in. I forgot your question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you pretty much answered it. Um, So I find that really interesting that you didn't um, kind of put your business in a place where um, you had a good starting point once you returned after maternity leave. Do you think that it just 
was you, you know, not really thinking ahead or was it a deliberate decision? You know, I look back at it and I'm not sure. Um, one of the, one of the problems with the area that I was providing music therapy area, not regional area, but area of expertise. So this early childhood is my kids turn three. Nobody's going to give me referrals while I'm on maternity leave and say, here, place them on a wait list because the state doesn't like that. So I really was backed into a corner unbeknownst to myself, you know, unbeknownst to me, I was backed into a corner where really, if I left, my business would die. And it did, um, is the kind of end of that story is, is, is it did. And I can talk about my first maternity leave shortly, but, um, you know, I, it wasn't a purposeful non-plan, um, planning, but it, it just, it was as if I had no other choice. It was out of my hands in a sense. Um, and, and again, I also didn't think as a business person at that point because, well, it took me a week to get a full caseload. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. And, and that was what I was going to say too is that because it was built so quickly and it grew so quickly, that might have been, you know, kind of an insurance plan in the back of your head. That's, and that's what I thought. I said, everybody loves music therapy. Oh, I'll totally have a full caseload. But, but, and I didn't really even think deliberately that way either. I just said, my kids turn three. I'll deal with it later. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll kind of, I'll start over maternity leave making my contacts. But again, nobody's going to put kids on a wait list. Um, cause the state says no, no, no. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when, when you were on maternity leave, were you thinking about that or were you mostly focused on the baby and, and not really the business? So with my first pregnancy uh, and my first um, baby, um, let me tell you how awesome an experience that my my birth, my delivery and my birth, that labor and delivery, if I could do that a million times, I would. I'm the only one in the world who says that. But it was really easy and really fantastic. Um and that's about where the high ends. Uh, my baby came out and the plan originally maternity leave was going to be uh, three months. And then I would go back part time. Um, and then eventually building uh, when she was about six months going back full time. Um, that was the original plan. So as I said, the high ended when my baby came out. Um, my smiles disappeared and I went very, very quickly into postpartum depression, not being diagnosed until my baby was almost a year old. So, cause I wouldn't believe it. So my maternity leave went from this dream. The whole reason I had a private practice was so I could do this and that and make it what I am to, I didn't work for at least five months. And then I had to build my practice again, because as I said, in the midst of all that, all those kids that I were seeing turned three um, and I had zero on my caseload. And so what was then Brown Music Therapy um, essentially went under and it was, you know, all these things um, going into this. And so with with that, my maternity leave was just me as an angry mom at home. (laughs) Um, and my poor child reaping all of these wonderful benefits from that, love my child, 
always did love my child became very overprotective of my child um, as a side effect of this postpartum depression and ended up being home with her um, more than I anticipated. So that's kind of what maternity leave looked for me, looked like for me on the first child. Something I've always admired about you is your openness about your struggles with postpartum depression. And, you know, that's something that you don't hear a lot of moms talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because, like you said, nobody wants to necessarily admit to themselves that that's what they're going through. Um, So how, how did you finally decide that that's what it was and that you were ready to get some help? Um, well, there was a turning point. Now I nursed my first child. I nursed both of them, but, um, I nursed my first child and I just, I hated it. I was like, okay, I'm done nursing her. Let me give her back to you, dad. And like, I just, I felt very closed off from the world. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody. And I, granted, I was not even sleep deprived. Um, my child slept perfectly from day one, (laughs) which is ironic considering the story that we'll hear later. But, um, my, you know, so I didn't have all of these supposed problems that everybody thought, but, um, there was just a turning point where my husband and I continued to bicker and fight and raise voices and things that with him and I never happened. Um, his mother came out to visit to help with the baby. And I pretty much locked me and the baby up in my bedroom for like the whole week that she was here. Um, you know, I didn't come down for meals. I mean, it was just, it was a very, there was this breaking point. And finally it was okay, Meryl, and this is my husband speaking, but Meryl, you need to, and my parents as well, who were supportive from day one, but didn't really know what else to do. Cause I was picking fights with them. And like, I was just an angry, angry person. And for those of you who know me, I'm not really like that. No, not at all. So, um, there was a point and my parents and my husband both kind of sat me down and were like, you either need to go figure this out or, you know, my husband was like, we cannot continue. I mean, it was, it was like a threat, you know, and it, and it's true because my husband and I are, I mean, we're pretty perfect. And, in, in the grand scheme of things. And like, we make a great pair and a great team. We work like a perfectly intricate machine and, and it wasn't working. It was broken. Their cogs were falling all over the place. And he said, you neither, you either have to put these back together and you obviously can't do it yourself. So, um, so I went and got some talk therapy and then I started running and, magically it disappeared. I was really fortunate that my particular diagnosis did not have, I didn't need any um, medication or anything for my, for me, there are some who do, and that's, you know, whatever is going to work, but talk therapy and then exercise just put me in a whole new world. Um, so yeah, that was the turning point though. It's like, get help or I'm leaving you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's fast forward a few years to your second maternity leave, which was not too long ago, right? Nope. I just got back from maternity leave in eh, about September, give or take. Um, (laughs) I planned um, for this maternity leave. Uh, I was a business owner at this point. I've always had a business, but this time I was a business owner. I was a person who really looked out for her business not just herself. I had an employee, um, and actually I had two employees going into maternity leave 
and I decided to start advocating for some more. Um, well, and we should mention that this at this point, several years have passed because there are how many years between your first daughter and your second? My children are almost exactly five years apart. They are okay. 10 days. So one's the ninth, one's the 19th, um, five years apart, which is a whole another ball of wax. <laughs> but, um, so at this point I had uh, about, mm, well, let's rewind to fast forward, but two years into um, my first child. So Farah is my first child. Um, when she was about two, almost two, just shy of two, I finally started thinking outside the box of, and, and I had been in talk therapy and getting help and making sure, and my mind was clear enough. And I was in a great place that I could redo and restructure my business the way that I needed it to be, to be a parent. Um, and at this point we had said we weren't having kids anymore. So, um, really we had two kids, we had my business and we had my child. So, uh, I started putting my eggs in several different baskets. So as if something were ever to happen again, whether it was, uh, you know, a positive or a negative thing, I, at least my business would be thriving regardless. So, um, I just went back to work. Uh, so fast forward again, five years, um, or well, three years, whatever we decided that our life wasn't full. Like something was just missing. And I was in a good place. The business was in a great place. My daughter was asking because all of her friends were like having babies or well, their <laughs> friends weren't, but their mothers were. And you know, she was like, I want, I want a baby sister. And I was like, what do you want for your birthday next? I want a baby sister. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> As I said, 10 days apart. Sure enough. But this time my maternity leave was planned meticulously even um, I had someone come in to cover my maternity leave. I was fortunate that this time with the early intervention, yes, I had several kids turning three. However, there was another music therapist to take over for a little while, um, which we didn't have originally. So, so I had somebody come in and I hired another employee and I decided originally that I was going to go back to work at five months. I would stay home with my baby for five months. I was so excited and I still, and, and I did, I stayed home with my baby for five months and then I'm only currently clinically part-time. Um, and my maternity leave technically ended in September-ish, um, October-ish. I don't remember. <laughs> it's all kind of fuzzy. Um, but we were able to really plan for that and plan for me only going back part-time and I have my daughter home part-time and she goes to daycare part-time um, so that I can run the business. So it's a very different place. And fast forward on the emotional side, um, I did not get postpartum depression with this one. Um, so Simona was, uh, did not cause me sadness. Her The smile that I had when she came out was the smile that is still on my face. Um, and for that, I am so thankful that I was one of the lucky ones that did not get it the second time around. And do you think there's anything that you can attribute that to this time around that made it different? Um, there, yes. Um, <laughs> running for one, I ran throughout my pregnancy and, and 
mind you, I was not a runner um, before I had my first daughter. I didn't run since like 10th grade. Um, so that is new, but I knew how good it made me feel. So I continued doing that for my pregnancy, making sure my pregnancy was healthy. And I, and I was able to get back on the road very quickly. When she came out, I started exercising almost immediately with doctor's approval and, you know, within days. Um, and as long as I felt good and that was number one, number two was we were financially in such a better position than we were the first time around, which while we didn't want to talk about it, that definitely played some part in this emotional trauma. Um, and you know, we, we just, we made a promise that if something were to happen, we, we, we had everything ready. Um, we had a psychologist on, uh, on standby, um, after the birth that, because we really, with Farah, with my first, we knew within days something wasn't right, but we didn't address it. You know, mm-hmm. um, we just thought that was normal. This time we were prepped. We were ready that if in five days something wasn't feeling right, emotionally, my husband knows my triggers. As I said, we're a well-oiled machine. He knows my triggers. My mom was well aware of my triggers and his mom was now well aware of my triggers. And if any of those happened, we would make the phone call. Um, and they didn't. So, but yeah, running exercise, being healthy, um, and really just being in a very good, a better place than we were prior. The, the other thing that I didn't say, my husband lost his job right when I had my first child too. So like, I mean, it's just Ugh. every, you know, it's one of those things, but we're fine now. <laughs> He's yeah. back. Got yeah. one. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it, it seems like, you know, you kind of evolved as a business owner over those years and going from your first pregnancy and um, your first child being born to the second. What about you as a therapist? Do you feel like you, you evolved in that way as well? Yeah. Um, before children, I was, while I've always loved working with kids, um, I didn't picture myself doing what I, what I'm doing. I didn't picture myself with babies and early intervention and, and early childhood. I didn't picture that as being a hundred percent of my business. I pictured myself in mental health. In fact, when I first moved back here after internship, I had, an all but signed contract ready with an acute care facility, a mental health facility. And that was going to be my job. Um, we were ready. That was how I was going to build it. And, and that changed with the license, you know, with the extra certification. But then when I was pregnant and I had babies and everything, and even with all of the trauma, um, they, you just view it differently. I don't see myself in adult mental health at all now. I can't picture myself working with any other population other than early childhood and, you know, and babies and and the little people, the little ones that, and I attribute that really to being a mom. I had, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know what kids are developing like, and now just my practice is like, oh, well, I understand this. I'm a mom too. Let me help your child. Yeah, I think that's so interesting to hear. Several other of my guests on the podcast have said that too. It's just this complete perspective shift where 
when you become a mom and you can put yourself in the shoes of your clients' families and parents. It's um, just puts a whole different spin on your work as a therapist. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, and some people also realize, you know, the other side is, well, I have a kid at home and I just don't necessarily want to do that because I have my child at home and I want to serve my child at home, but then I really want to serve other people outside. Yeah. That's so true. have the total opposite, which is kind of neat too. Um, or you can stay the same, but I don't know many <laughs> people who have after they've had a child or two. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the challenges that you face with owning a business, being a working mom and having an elementary school age child and a baby? Oh boy. Um, you <laughs> I know it's a loaded question, right? <laughs> well, you and I have talked about this outside of this podcast. and Yes, and, many times. Um, <laughs> it is really interesting. Um, so my oldest daughter went through a lot of transitions because at the same time that Simona was born, she was about to be a kindergartner and or, or finishing out her preschool years, staying home for the summer. And then she would in September go off or August out here, sorry, um, go off to pre, uh, kindergarten. That comes with a whole load of responsibilities. And I am so glad that I took a step back from clinical work because there's no way I can do it all. There is absolutely no way I could do it all without taking that step back. Um, the balance is, it, 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 I don't have enough time for anything. So I say that I have all the time in the world for everything, if that makes any sense. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? <laughs> so I, I had to, I can't say that I don't have enough time because I have to make time. Mm -hmm. And it means here, you know, that's the biggest challenge so far. It means that if instead of the hour and a half that we usually sit and do homework or draw pictures or something becomes an hour, just so I can spend a different hour making sure that my business doesn't go belly up, that's what I'm going to have to do. And I'm not taking time away from my child. It's just, hey, we've got all of these things to get done. So I, I would rather spend you know, an hour, a really diligent in front of your face with you time with both of my children or one at a time, whatever it is, then an hour and a half of, oh no, I'm thinking about other things. I got to go do something else. I, oh, there's this laundry list of things that I'm trying to do. Yes. Yes. So rather than have not enough time for everything, I, I have to say that there is time for everything. It's just, more focused time for yeah. everything. I love that so much. And I'm so glad that you said that because <laughs> it's true. I, I spent the first year of my son's life being with him all the time, but also having that worry list in the back of my head, like, oh my gosh, I need to do this, 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 and this. So I was never completely focused while we were playing, but I was never completely focused when I was working either because I was thinking about, you know, earlier in the day when I was so distracted. So that focus time, I think is so crucial. And it means so, and, and mostly with my kindergarten now with Simona, with my, she's nine months now with her, 
you know, she's at a point where I don't have to be on top of her being like, learn this, teach this, (laughs) this, do this. I can let her roam around. You know, I've secured the space in our home and, and somewhat baby proofed kind of, um, (laughs) but enough so that she's not going to, you know, fall downstairs or or crash into something. But, you know, I, she's going to explore. That's what she's doing as a nine month old. Let her crawl around, go for it. Yeah. She started crawling a little early for me, but (laughs) let her go. Um, I don't have to have that focus time with her. So what I can do is spend, you know, that time with Farah. And then Simona, I mean, it's not that I'm neglecting Simona. She gets nursed, she gets fed, she gets changed. She gets all of her needs met. And then she gets a little bit of play when Farrah's not home. But again, I I really, it's strange, but I had the new baby and I really have to focus on the old baby first. Um, My kindergartner is extremely needy at this point because of all the transitions in her life with the new baby and kindergarten and this and that, mommy working, daddy working. You know, it's really hard for her. So... Um, that balance time is, it's, you know, and she understands that, look, you get mommy's attention for like direct undivided attention for this long, however long, sometimes it's open-ended depending on the day, but this is so important. And that, and she thrives on that. And if I give her that every day when she gets home from school, cause we don't pick up her sister till later, you know, that's a win. That is a huge win. The other thing though, is something that I did when I was um, getting business coaching from another therapist is we had talked about what my goal was after the pregnancy and after I had my baby and after maternity leave was by 3 p.m. I am family. And I kind of do that um, as diligently as I can. Um, At this point, I'm probably maybe about five days out of the seven uh, 3 p.m. I am family. Okay. And- question, question about that. Sorry to interrupt. Nope, but nope. now is this, is this from 3 p.m. until their bedtime or 3 p.m. until your bedtime? I was just going to say, <laughs> um, well, their bedtime is my bedtime. Um, oh, okay. The newest child doesn't sleep. Yes. Right, right, right. I go to sleep as quick as I can. Um, but no, it is from 3 p.m. until their bedtime. And then I only tie up loose ends. I spend no more then 45 minutes at night doing loose end work for the business. And that's only on the weeknights on the weekends. I granted I volunteer in like a ton of different organizations. So that happens a lot on the weekends, but like my business is closed on the weekends. Um, and I, and I do my best not to do anything business related on the weekends, unless it's an emergency. So by 3 PM, I am family. Now that doesn't mean I am family and I am only spending time with you, Farah, on your letters and on your words and your reading skills. And I'm only spending time on Simona's crawling abilities. No, 3 p.m. I am family means that I am focused on not only providing that time with my child, but cooking dinner, cleaning the house <laughs> and getting things set up um, so that, you know, we can start the day again the next day. I mean, it's it's plus the kindergartner kind of helps with that. So that's always a nice thing too. Yeah, that is really nice. Uh, did you feel like it it took a, a long time to get to that point where you felt comfortable with that shift or did it happen pretty immediately? I'm still working on that. Okay. <laughs> As I said, I'm about five days out of the week um, that it's 3 p.m. I'm family. Um, 
but that also doesn't include like the, as I said, I close my business on the weekends and that's something I, tr- I don't schedule work related stuff. I mean, maybe once or twice a year on the weekends. Um, I, that does not include my volunteer stuff, but that I don't consider work, you know, being on a board for the state and doing all these things. I don't consider that necessarily work. I'm showing, I look at my daughters with me whenever I do things like that. Um, my oldest, sometimes the youngest, but, uh, I'm trying to instill in her a belief that volunteering is good, uh, as long as it's for a good cause. This is kind of a side note. Uh, so she does attend events. So if we have like, a, I'm in, I'm president of my Kiwanis club here in town and, uh, we do events on, on Saturdays or Sundays. And so she attends those with me because we're giving back to the community and that's important. We get our family time. It's teaching her a lesson. It's, important. And so we have that, but as I said, five days a week, 3 PM, I am family as best I can barring those two days on the weekend. That is all family time. So I give myself a little leniency if on Monday and Tuesday, I have to go a little later than three. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. No, good for you. I think, I think that is such an amazing goal and something that I think about a lot and I would love to get to that place eventually, especially with number two on the way. Um, so don't be surprised if you have other music therapists, like beating down your door for additional advice on that. I am all about, uh, supervising and consulting about the work-life balance because there will always be an imbalance, but it's, it's like, it's my passion to find the balance. Yeah. Um, and, and right now, even with this, the sleep issue, I'm, I'm at a balance that works. And I hate to use the word balance because you're never going to be even keel. Right. But I'm, we're a well-oiled machine. We are working. My kids are thriving. My business is thriving. My volunteer work is thriving. Everything in my life is, is going well, but of course I'm going to have really awful days and you accept those and you can be so so yeah please come beat down my door I'd love to talk about yeah it well I I think that is such a need in our community because you know we're all we're all struggling with this even those of us who aren't parents or you know are wanting to be in that position someday you know we're we're all working towards that that quote-unquote balance that we, we never really actually achieve that perfect imbalance yes <laughs> that's that's a much better phrase for it <laughs> love it so what are some of the most fulfilling aspects for you of being a working mom? I can take that time with my kid. Um, every Wednesday, um, <laughs> due to the wonderful budgets, there's not enough staff at some of our schools with regards to doing like little tasks. Um, and so every Wednesday, the, the, the plus side of this, the positive side is I get to go and hang out with my kid's class. Uh, for a half hour and do like reading group. Um, and so it's really awesome being able to go and do that and watch my child at school because my husband, unfortunately, he, fortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, he has a great job that he loves, um, you know, and he gets to go to every day and he comes home happy every day. And, you know, that's great, but he does not always get to see how Farah is, progressing in school firsthand. You know, he sees the report cards and he sees what she brings home, but he doesn't get to go. And so I love being able to go to school and meet her friends and work with her friends and work with her and, and 
and do these things each week. So that's really cool. Um, that's definitely one of the best parts. Cause if I worked for somebody else, there's no way I'd get out the number of hours that I do to help her. Yeah. That's definitely a perk. Yeah. And, um, the other is just knowing that, like, look at all of these, like being empowered and happy knowing, look at all of these creations I've made three children. If you think about it, you know, mm-hmm. my two, two walking and breathing children, and then my one business child and look at what I've been able to do. And that's me doing it. It's not, you know, and I just, that's really empowering to know that I've made something out of really nothing in three, three times, <laughs> four times if yeah. you include the crash, but you know, whatever. <laughs> right, right. So we've touched a little bit on self-care with you, um, but are there any other um, ways that you, um, that you kind of take care of yourself and your sanity and mental <laughs> health outside of being a music therapist and a mom? Um, I've always been a busy person and, and that's always kept me strangely grounded, um, to be constantly moving. Uh, so, you know, when I had the postpartum, I think part of it was, I wasn't moving. I wasn't doing much of anything other than, you know, caring for my child. I never really left the house. I had no job to go to. I did, you know, I didn't have all of these things. And so now my self-care is it's, it's like being busy. Um, and that's okay for me. Um, but my busy includes that, okay, we're going to go and do family time. We're going to go to my Kiwanis meeting. We're going to go, oh, I got to go run. I got to, you know, my, my self-care includes a little bit of everything. Yeah, no, I like that you said that. And I can definitely relate because one of the questions that I get from people is, you know, how do you do all these projects and how do you, you know, keep all of all the time, right? (laughs) You just asked me the other day. And (laughs) for me, having all of these exciting things happening, that keeps me motivated, that keeps me going. And, um, you know, reaching, going towards a goal. Whereas when I don't have these things going on, I kind of start to flounder. And, um, I don't feel like my purpose is really there. Yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. So this is normally the point where I ask my guests for advice that they would give to fellow music therapists who are thinking about starting a family or pregnant or are about to have a baby um, or just became a new mom. But selfishly, I want to ask what advice you have for those of us who are either thinking about or are about to have a second child and add a whole new layer of um, chaos, if you will, to life. Learn to juggle. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Literally, learn to juggle. It will provide entertainment for your children. (laughs) Um, But no, in in all honesty, um, if you are, and and this is a, a specific group, and then I'll talk about the broader group, but the specific group is the business owner who's about to have an additional child. Um, my advice is get your calendar out and plan. It is okay to be a planner. Everything I do is written in sometimes by the hour if I have to get it done. Um, and then my second piece of advice with that is don't beat yourself up if you don't get to the non-essentials. 
um, like vacuuming the floor. (laughs) Take a nap instead. It's totally okay. So that's my advice to the business owner. And and it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, The mom, the working mom who is, who has multiple children, like don't beat yourself up over not vacuuming yesterday. Your infant is not going to die from eating a day old Cheerio. I promise it's happened in my house this morning. It's okay. (laughs) Um, She's still fine. I haven't gotten any phone calls, but you know, I think I'm, I'm of both sides plan it all out. Um, with regards to your schedule, um, but allow for a little bit of flexibility. Yeah, because you're going to need it basically is the bottom line. That goes along with sort of my um, my word for the year. I didn't, I didn't set any resolutions or anything mm-hmm. for 2015, but I, I said that my word for this year is going to be grace. And that grace is directed at myself because I know that – pretty soon I'm not going to be able to do all the things that I want to do or that I feel like I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And that that's perfectly okay. Like you said, you know, you have to prioritize and schedule and, you know, do things to the best of your ability, but have that grace towards yourself knowing that, you know, life is going to be a little bit out of your hands for a while. Absolutely. And I, you know, in the and I'm a scheduler, but that's the type A in me. But I think the schedule is important because it helps you stay grounded. Otherwise, mommy brain kicks in. Oh, yes. Yeah. You have to do everything like food shopping. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but yeah, Grace, I love that. I yeah. love that. And just writing everything down, like you said, I've I've found that now, you know, if I don't write it down, if it's not on my to-do list or in my calendar, it's not going to happen. And then you start to feel lost. You're like, okay, what do I do next? I know I have all these things, but what's the next thing? Exactly. It's about always prioritizing. And also, oh, yes, accept help. Yes. Yes. Uh, I uh, am, you know, a whole different ball of wax, but none of my family lives in Illinois. So we're really on our own unless we have sitters. We have tons of friends and they're super helpful and fantastic. And that's, that's exactly it is accept help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so important. And be okay with that. And it can be hard for us type A's to accept oh, help. Yeah. <laughs> but it's important gonna... to do for your own sanity uh, and well-being. Yes. So do you have any music therapy related projects or news that you'd like to share? Um. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, we, you know, Developing Melodies, my company, um, we have just started a few new contracts, which we're super excited about. Um, but we've also brought back a class, a music therapy group that kind of went away for a little while. Um, and it's back and it's called Say Something. And it's um, a great project that we're doing uh, with children ages six to eight uh, with communication and social needs. And so we're really excited to bring that back to our community. So that's one of our super exciting news that it's here. Very cool. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and then our other is that um, I do provide, you know, consultation and, and work-life balance is, as I said, a passion of mine and, and finding that balance because I am type A and I do need to get it all done, but, but accepting, you know, so um, that is something that is out there for, uh, especially for moms. Um, 
So I just wanted to throw that out there that that consulting is there for you. Yeah. And I just want to um, add to that and say that for those of you listening, Meryl has been such a wonderful resource for me personally, not only as a business owner, she's really kind of um, guided me in some different um, business aspects, but also um, as a mom and trying to, you know, find that imperfect, what did you, what was the phrase that you used? The The imperfect balance. Imperfect perfection. Imperfect perfection. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And you've, and you've been so helpful in that. So I definitely, if you're someone that is seeking help with that, Meryl is your girl right there. (laughs) Thank you. uh, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one more question. Do you have any favorite products or books or resources related to music therapy, motherhood, or all of the above that you'd like to share? Gosh, all of them. Um, No, I I am huge into wearing my, um, my baby. Uh, and so one of my favorite products is my carrier, my baby carrier. Um, yeah. Which one do you use? Um, I'm a fan right now of the Piccolo. Oh, I've never uh, heard of that one. The Piccolo was great when Simona was an infant and couldn't hold her head up. It's very similar to like an Ergo. Okay. Um, but the Ergo doesn't have like a, there's something that the, you need the extra insert. For right, the first right, right, right. So the Piccolo does that all without the extra insert and the extra padding. So I don't know if that's very you know. cool. So, I, I did yeah, not know about that one. Back support. Oh, I love it. Um, we used to have a wearer, a baby wearing like mommy store here in town, but um, she has moved on to greener pastures. Um, but and then, so that's one. So the Piccolo P apostrophe K and so on. Um, <laughs> Uh, that helps me get everything done. Um, and, and sometimes Simona takes a nap in there. That's great. Um, and then another resource, I had this whole list and I apparently put it on the other computer. So not in my Dropbox, but, um, another thing would definitely be, uh, I'm a big fan of Dr. Sears. Mm-hmm. And the way I parent um, is very much not necessarily of his attachment parenting stuff that never was easy for me to get a hold of, not being um, home as much as I thought with the business. But uh, but I'm a fan of things that he says regarding like medical things and uh, just information. Uh, we're using his sleeping, the baby sleep book right now for whatever issues are going on here. So uh, Dr. Sears would definitely be a resource for all parents um, from from pregnancy through uh, toddlerhood. Awesome. I'll put links to both of those in your show notes. Sure. Sure. Well, Meryl, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and just your honesty and sharing this conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Meryl a message, you can find her on Facebook at Developing Melodies. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at listenlearnmusic.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher. And if you feel so inclined, 
please leave a review. I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.